And welcome to The Real Money Show, the number to start investing. You know it by now, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. The Investor Kit, the Precious Metal Advisor, written, drafted by Darren. Pick that up as well. And you want to go to therealmoneyshow.com, there's another website you can hit up. And I'll tell you about this. I'll give you one more. Get your free gold. In fact, it is getyourfreegold.ca. Here is the plan. Receive a one-gram gold maple leaf coin for every $5,000 U.S. invested in an RSP account, which we will talk at length of uh, over this next hour. You've also got the e-store in the top right of the website as well. Darren's here. Jeremy's here. Good afternoon, guys. How are you? Well, thanks for that, John. I appreciate the intro. And as always, we're happy to be here. Jeremy and I this week have a busy show planned. Jeremy is doing an interview with who I think is probably the single best trend forecaster in the world. Certainly many of my colleagues in the analysis world also feel the same way. And we've had many people on the show, but none as colorful and as entertaining as Gerald Salente, the king of forecasting. So he's coming up and uh, Gerald, he's a very, very interesting cat. He's out of New York and uh, certainly has a very, very poignant take on what the economy is telling us today and the trends that are being forecasted about that certainly go hand in hand with what we talk about, which is physical gold and silver ownership. We want to talk about what the big banks are up to this week. We're going to talk about colored diamonds on the show today. And I want to, just for a quick couple of minutes, let people know what's happening. You've got the end of the year coming up. You've got the holiday season. Christmas is just around the corner. You're thinking about what it is you got to get for family members, all the gifts and everything. But don't forget, just as important is your wealth and protecting your wealth. And now you have to start thinking about what your contributions are going to be like. And as you know, we've talked about it at length here at Guildhall, the opportunity to own gold and physical silver in your RSP of any type. You could also do that in your TFSA, and certainly you can also take it home. But this is what this show is about. It's about the uh, beautiful assets that we have called gold, silver, and colored diamonds. And we want people to know it's important. And uh, I want to get to that later in the show, but it's physical. Own it. Get in touch with Guildhall if you want to know more about it. If what Gerald has to say about the marketplace inspires you to own gold and silver, then touch base with us. Gerald developed the global nomic methodology to identify, track, forecast, and manage trends, and he is a political atheist. He's unencumbered by political dogma, rigid ideology, or conventional wisdom. Salente, whose motto is think for yourself, observes and analyzes the current events forming future trends for what they are, not for the way he wants them to be. And while Salente holds a U.S. passport, this man, by all accounts, is a citizen of the world. We're excited to have him, and we cannot wait for you, the listener, to come back and join us in the next segment. In the meantime, one eight seven seven eight silver is that number, and go to guildhallwealth.com for more information. Real Money Show continues. Talk Radio, AM 640. And we're back with more of The Real Money Show, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Get your free gold. .ca as well. Receive a one gram gold maple leaf coin for every 5000 US invested in an RSP account. It's very cool. It's new and take full advantage of that. As well, if you're planning and looking at natural fancy colored diamonds, you spend $25,000 or more on a diamond, you will get a pair of diamond studs to go along that courtesy of Guildhall. Back now in our interview with Gerald Salente here on The Real Money Show. Gerald, great to have you back on the show. I, let's get right into the questions here. Um, the first question I have for you is, and we're going to have this uh, article we're going to be discussing, and we'll put it up on our our our, um, our blog and, of course, Twitter. 
that uh, Fortune.com released an article talking about the Financial Stability Board's proposal to end Too Big to Fail. And Mark Carney, of course, heads the board. And they're basically saying that big lenders, you know, like Goldman Sachs and, and JP Morgan, would have to raise as much as $1.19 trillion in order to recapitalize banks against the next global economic crisis. W- where are these big banks going to get that type of money from, Gerald? Well, they probably won't. And if they end up failing, we the people will uh, bail them out. Uh, they'll they'll come up with some kind of scheme to force the losses on us, just as they did throughout you know much of Europe, whether it was Portugal or Greece or Ireland. Uh, you know they come up with this this line called austerity measures, and they'll blame the governments for making bad bets, and they'll force we the people to pay them off. And you just saw that came out for your example here in the states. Um, earlier this week, uh, Senator Warren criticized the repeal of sections of the Dodd-Frank bill, which again was a fraudulent act as well. All they had to do was keep in place the Glass-Steagall Act that prohibited uh, commercial banks from becoming investment banks, essentially gamblers. And there's a clause in there now that we have to bail out uh, the banks uh, for their derivative plays. And they passed that through, and you know nobody stopped them. They do what they want. So it's very clear that it's one of our top trends, actually, that came out with for 2015. There are no more governments. It's bankism. So all this is just noise. The banks are running the show everywhere around the world. They're in charge. And uh, they could talk about this, and they'll... When things happen, they'll say, well, you know, we warned of it, and we were going to have some policies in place, and we were working on with commissions and other policymakers. They'll come up with a line of baloney. And the bottom line is, we'll pay for it one way or another. And let's let's move across. Uh, I, I do agree with that, and I also think that in, in some ways this article could be reverse uh, bail-ins because we're, they've got to come up with the money, and I guess they'll steal it all the way along until that time comes. But, of course, they're saying that this as well could happen uh, by by 2022, and we could we could hit a crisis way before then. I love uh, that. Yeah. By 2022, I think it's 2022 and a half. Yeah, exactly. It was a uh, was it 36, 28, 36? Yeah. I mean, come on, what are they making up over here? Now, I mean, they got to come up with a date like that. Who are these people? You go back to the Fed minutes. They don't. They wait five years before they release them. Every one of these clowns didn't see the panic of 08 coming, and they have the gall to put out these reports saying by 2022, look at the World Bank, the OECD, the the, the IMF. Every four or five months, they're readjusting their forecasts, and these clowns come out and put out a line like that. You're supposed to swallow it. This thing's unraveling in front of everybody's eyes. And then, and then Bernanke comes out after he leaves the Fed and says, "Oh, we had the tools all the all the all the time to to keep rates at where they could have been or raise them at the time, and and we we've lost that opportunity." But he had that opportunity, of course, too, right? Again, you read his you read his lies, and you can see how 
they came out when this crisis was happening, and these arrogant boys come out with this bad attitude that nobody else knows what they're talking about, only them, and they throw this baloney on us. And then when they have a, make a lot of money after he leaves the Fed, gets a job with Citadel, one of the biggest hedge funds in the country, if not the world, and then he writes a book and gets a fat contract for that, then he admits, well, we really didn't see a lot of things coming, and we didn't know some things and underestimated other things. Such a fraud. Speaking of, of, of fraud and, and these, these four pillars like the, the World Bank and, and, uh, and uh, the Financial Stability Board, we've got the IMF, which recently said that they would allow Ukraine to default on their debt to Russia. Yes, which is against... Uh, IMF principles, but again, it's bankism, and they make up any laws that they want. Because if you default on a on a loan, then you're not supposed to get any money from the IMF. But the IMF, it's the they call it the International Monetary, you know, but it's really the International Mafia. You know, it's just a front, and that's all this is. It's a banking mafia, and they make up their own rules and do what they want. The bottom line is, you know, really, nothing's really changed from the days when Jesus Christ, you know, whipped, pull out a whip and whip the money changes out of the temple. They just got different names. They were shafting the people back then, and they're shafting them now. And all the IMF is is a front for the whole operation. It is part of the mafia. It's the International Mafia Federation. Let, let's let's uh, let's go across uh, the the Pacific and and talk about China. They've recently lowered lowered interest rates, and uh, I thought their economy was supposed to be doing okay. Um, can can you talk about how that could be a signal for a global downturn or global recession? Well, not only have they lowered interest rates, they keep lowering their reserve ratio requirements. You know the amount of money banks have to have, and they've lowered interest rates. There are record lows actually in China right now. And when you look at China's, you know, exports, they're way off. And you look at their imports over the last two months, on average, they're down almost 20%. That's huge. So there's a, there's a global slowdown. And China is the canary in the, in the equity mine shaft, so to speak. So, for example, you look at oil prices. Remember when oil prices started going down June a year ago? They were blaming it on Saudi Arabia and America to punish those Russians for invading Ukraine. That's the term they use. Of course, Russia never invaded Ukraine. But even if you watch the presidential reality show debates last, this past week on Fox, uh, Maria Bartiromo threw the question out to uh, Trump. You know, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Right. So, of course, they didn't invade Ukraine. But I'm going back to that to show how the whole thing is so distorted. So now the IMF is loaning money to Ukraine when Ukraine owns the, owes this money to Russia. They're not allowed to do it. So they're making up this whole thing. We're in a global slowdown, as I'm going back to it, and when you go back to China... And going back to oil prices, you're seeing Russia, for example, they're in a recession. Their oil 
revenues are way down. They're down to, what, about 4% decline in GDP. You go to all the resource-rich nations. You go to Venezuela. Go to Brazil. Go to Chile. All of their economies are down, and the leading indicator in talking about Chile is copper. Bring it back to China. China is estimated to import between 40 to 50% of all copper. Copper prices are now hitting six-year lows, the lowest of six-year lows. Zinc, uranium, not only oil. Remember, but they blamed Russia for invading Afghanistan as to why oil prices were going down. That was the point I was making. No, it had nothing to do with that. It's a supply and demand. China, if the Europeans and the American, North Americans aren't buying things, China's not making them. And if China's not making them, all these resource-rich nations aren't exporting. So the narrow minds are blaming it only on China, saying, you know, China's economy's slowing down and it's hurting the rest of it. No, it's bigger than that. That's only part of it. So what we're looking at is a global slowdown. Commodity prices, the indexes at you know what two, 1999 levels on average, the commodity prices, they keep hitting new lows because of demand. So what we're looking at in China is you go back 20 years ago, China's debt 20 years 1995 was 500 billion dollars. Today it's approaching. You ready? 30 trillion. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. How are they going to pay it off? Look at that jet, that's a GDP ratio. Depending on whose numbers you're looking at, it's between 250 to 275%. Japan, kind of same kind of debt to GDP ratio. You look at the exports slowing down from Taiwan, from South Korea, from all these Asian countries that were pumping dough into China. Way off. Way off. So this is very serious because then you throw another level on top of it and then there's the geopolitical and you keep seeing the warmongers in chief, the United States, with this pivot to Asia baloney, putting more ships and fleets in the South China Sea and you can see where this is going. History is repeating itself you could change China's name to Japan and change the date from 2015 and call it, you know, 1937, 38. And you read the rhetoric of the United States talking about Japan and we have to send more ships there. It's almost identical to what they're saying now. So people think, you know, World War II began because the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it's true, they did. But they forget the other parts of the story. How the United States shut off Japan from their natural resources. How they put in trade barriers around the world so they couldn't sell stuff. We won't tell that part of the story. There's a great book by General uh, Smedley Butler, the most decorated Marine in American history until the time of his death. And it's war is a racket. And he writes about that very thing, about what was going on in Japan. These swivel chair generals, he called them, selling battleships over to, near Japan. And he said, suppose Americans in California woke up 
and they saw battleships off the coast of California, how would they feel? So that's what's going on in China, just to put the whole thing back into one circle. When all else fails, they take you to war. And the global economy is, on by all indicators, failing. Again, you, you look at the commodities index. Commodities don't lie. You know, it, it's across the board. You know, and, and you're looking now, you know, at oil. You know, you, you, know, you have... You have Brent crude now, you know, it's selling for under $45 a barrel. And, and what was it selling, you know, last June? $115 a barrel. Bring it back to the geopolitical connections. Hey, how about those Saudis, the beheaders-in-chief over there? I think they got 185 heads already they beheaded. Now they invaded Yemen, a sovereign nation. They need $100 a barrel to break even. They're down to 45. So you can see where the destabilization is going to start happening internally within that country and externally because of the people that they're slaughtering. And then add on to that the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Qatar, one country in the Middle East after another. As these oil prices collapse, go down to Brazil. You want to have a lot of fun? How about the demonstrations that are going to continue to increase as that nation goes deeper into recession and all the political turmoil that's developed over there? So you can see what's going on. It's all connected. And so that's what we fear the greatest of is that, you know, the psychopaths, when all else fails, they take it to war. We'll take a short break. Lots more Gerald Salenti on the way. In the meantime, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Remember, get your free gold, a, a free gram of gold, actually, Maple Leaf coin for every $5,000 U.S. invested into silver and gold in an RSP account. More details at guildhallwealth.com. Plus, if you're planning to spend 25000 or more on a natural fancy color diamond, you'll get a pair of gold studs, or pardon me, diamond studs, uh, to go with that courtesy of Guildhall. More details online to guildhallwealth.com. The Real Money Show continues right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. And we're back with more of The Real Money Show, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Get your free gold.ca as well. Receive a one gram gold Maple Leaf coin for every 5000 U.S. invested in an RSP account. It's very cool. It's new and take full advantage of that. As well, if you're planning and looking at natural fancy colored diamonds, you spend $25,000 or more on a diamond, you'll get a pair of diamond studs to go along that courtesy of Guildhall. Back now in our interview with Gerald Salente here on The Real Money Show. This is uh, Darren, uh, Gerald, from uh, this point of view, uh, it seems as though they there's no cure for this addiction to power and money. It requires some type of you know extremely radical therapy. I, I know that on previous shows we've talked about the theme of decentralization a little bit uh, as one way to dismantle the global pyramid wealth scheme. Uh, I'm wondering if you might throw your two cents in as to other things that might happen that give us some signs that there is some hope that things like decentralization happens or that uh, we we can see growth in the in the correct things that we want, uh, you know, to have happen that are positive. It's a moral issue, you know, and, and I want to make this really clear. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, Mr. Perfect, man. I pull my stuff in my lifetime. I got it. Oh, I know. You know, lucky I'm still walking around, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you, as you grow older, you're supposed to grow a bit wiser. Like, that's why they used to, I guess, at one time, I think they. I think I don't. I, I, it may be more than a myth. They used to respect the elders. 
because <laughs> they've been around a while. Let me tell you about my kids. They're they're amazing, you know. But anyway, going on to positive elements, it's up to the human being. And you talk about decentralization. You really nailed it. Look what's going on now in Spain with Catalonia. They had an election out of nowhere. A group came up. Nobody ever heard of them. Cup. And 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 now they're they're running the show, in sense of pushing Catalonia to secede from the rest of Spain. And there are two key elements in it. One is they no, want to, they no longer want to belong to the European Union. And number two, no longer a member of NATO. Autonomy. They want autonomy. You got there it. There it is. Yep. And, and now I ask you, don't you want autonomy? I'll tell you what, I think I should run your life. You know, I know better than you do. Don't you know who I am? I'm a policymaker. I'm a member of the mob. You don't deserve autonomy. What rights do you have? How dare you believe that you were put on this earth to be a free person? It's, 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 it's such a simple concept, yet so complex for people to understand. And yet, you know, I wonder uh, about... Uh, how people will get to that point because in we've seen in in periods of decentralization we've seen what becomes of whole countries Gerald you and I have talked about it when we first met I remember the very first weekend we ever met you in Vancouver we talked about this and what might be coming and I hate to think about you know the idea <laughs> that you know these gold bugs that we we see out there and things like that I hate talking about it but you know, storing bottles of water and canned food and things like that. But really, the uh, idea of revolution or, you know. Did you hear about Ted Koppel, that he's buying freeze-dried yeah. food? And That's yes. where I was going yeah. with this, right? Yeah. We're seeing more and more so that the mainstream media, our friends, the prostitutes, as you so aptly call them, the the idea that, you know, you need to protect yourself is is it's reaching far beyond the notion of protecting yourself with, let's say, an asset like gold or silver or, or something of tangible quality and going far beyond that at this point. Do you see a time and space where we as a people in, let's say, North America in particular, rally up to decentralize and, and really get to the point where we have yes. a revolution? You do. Yes, I, I, do. I thought you yeah. would say, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah because, you know, I mean, I, I, again, you know, I'm a, I'm a free spirit. You know, I'm not, I wasn't, you know... Uh, I, I was very fortunate, you know, I, I have every day thank, you know, the uh, the ancestors, you know, of course, beginning with my parents, you know, coming from who I came from, you know, sure. it wouldn't be me without without them. And I came from, you know, again, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm of Italian descent. Mussolini said that, you know, basically, you know, you can't control the Italians, but you can now. And uh, you can't, you can't. You can't uh, paint your house the color you want without getting permission. You can't cut down a tree. My cousin, I actually do have a cousin, Vinny, <laughs> and he lives in, <laughs> outside of uh, Salerno. He buys a bottle of champagne. He goes, I got the wrong one. I got to go bring it back. I want to get this other one. And he couldn't bring it back because the tax already went to the government when they ring it up. And everybody there I talked to, I said, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to stop this? What are you going to do? They said, ah, what could we do? Ah, what could we do? They lost the fight. And people have lost the fight. And it's, it's, it's global. It, it, again, only in pockets where it's happening. There's a great quote by one of the founding fathers of America, Samuel Adams. He said, it does not take a majority to prevail, 
but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. It does not take a majority to prevail, and that's what people don't understand. Right. You look at what happened with this new book that uh, George Bush Sr. just came out with, where he calls uh, Dick Cheney uh, uh, arrogant and an iron ass, and how he manipulated his little boy George. And you think about it. I mean, Dick Cheney, I mean, Marvel comic books couldn't come up with a better caricature. And you don't know whether this guy's smiling, sneering, or, you know, or, or, or his mouth always looks the same. A snarl, smile, or a sneer. An arrogant little guy, talks tough, a draft dodger, got five deferments, never served a day in his life, but starts war. Yep. And I'm making this point because people think it's a big conspiracy theory going on out there, and there's... You know, a lot going on and a lot of puppet masters that are telling the puppet what to do. It's not it at all. Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, who, of course, I'm sure you know, the former assistant treasury secretary under Reagan, and he's out there a lot on, on the media that I'm out as well. He also contributed, by the way, to our magazine, The Trends Journal. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him one night. I said, you know, I'm looking at this photo in the New York Times, and here's Obama and his national security team. I said, who's really making the decisions there? And he said, just who you see. This is a guy that was in the White House, could call in the director of the CIA and question him under oath, which he did. And by the way, we have it. He was here at our conference this past September, and he rarely travels anywhere. And he came to our conference as a speaker. And there's a video that people can get by going to our website, trendsjournal.com, trendsjournal.com and you can you'll hear in this video things you you can't imagine and this is a guy mr inside with reagan anyway going back to george bush he his son little georgie had written a book and in that book he said i never asked dad what i should do this is called a portrait of my father his book And he goes on to say, we both knew that this was a decision, in the meaning to go to war against Iraq, that only the president can make. This is a decision that only the president can make? This little freak of a man, this little clown of a boy, making the decision for 316 million people to murder a million Iraqis, destroy their country based on lies? Where's the courage of we the people? How could they stand up and tolerate this? How can there's no reaction coming? Everybody knows this just came out, this book, about... Uh, the old man saying, you know, his little boy was pressured by Cheney and Rumsfeld. Sure. 
you 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 make a good point, and you brought up Samuel Adams, and I'd be remiss if I didn't also use a quote that I like from Samuel Adams, which is, the natural liberty of man is to be free from any superior power on earth. And it goes on and on to say about the will and legislative authority and so on. But that idea that we have too much power in a centralized theme happening around the world. I want to just touch quickly on, uh, Gerald, an old theme that we've visited with you on many a times. And uh, if we might spend just a couple of seconds discussing it, what are your thoughts these days on gold and the gold market in general? You know, I'm, I'm still the same. I mean, why would I want – look, they're talking about negative interest rates. You know, you guys are nice guys. I got a deal for you. Buy some of my German, Swiss, or even Italian bonds with my lousy debt-to-GDP ratio – Pay me this amount now, and in 10 years when you cash them in, because you guys are so nice, I'm going to give you less money. It's such a simple concept when you say it that way, but yet people just don't get it, do they? Why would anybody that has, you know, could be able to tie their shoes would do something like this? You're going to, wait, let me get this straight now. You want me to loan you money, and then when I pay you back in 10 years, you're going to give me less than I gave you? Yeah. Don't you know who I am? I'm a banker. It's, it's amazing that they can do that because at the same time, you can just print money at QE and just take their money anyway. And look what they're going to do. You're talking about QE? That other Goldman Sachs gang mafia cat, Mario Draghi, head of the ECB, right? He was head of the European Division of Goldman Sachs. They're talking now about negative interest rates and more or a quantitative easing. So going back to gold, why would I want devalued currency? The only reason that the dollar has any strength at all is because of the weaknesses of all those other currencies I was talking about, because of the decline in the commodity prices and the global slowdown. Where's the United States sitting on $19 trillion in debt? When you put in all the entitlements and all this money that they owe, you know, it's way, way over that. It's like in the hundreds of bill- trillions. So why would I want to own? So to me, gold is, a, you know, I don't buy it to speculate. I buy it to keep and to hold. And I don't give financial advice. And I don't, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm just saying what I do. I, why would I want this other kind of, you know, digital money not worth the paper it's not printed on? That they keep, you know, as I mentioned to you, look at the debt load of China from you know, five hundred billion in ninety five to now we're talking you know uh three almost thirty trillion. You have a two hundred and twenty five trillion dollar equity bubble that has been built from this quantitative easing and 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 zero interest rate policy. Why wouldn't I want to own gold? Because you know, as I said, you know, it, it, you're looking at more than just economics. You have to look at the G. You don't have to. That's another Bronx thing. You got to look. You know, you have to. You know, I mean, you have to. You know, the, the, the motto, by the way, taught to me by my dear father. May his soul rest in peace. Anytime I'd be shooting my mouth off, he'd look at me and in Italian, he'd say to me, "Papagallo, parrot, stop repeating what everybody else is saying and think for yourself." And so, after I heard that, I realized I better, before I open my mouth, know the facts. So, what I'm saying. You know, this is just the way I see it. You think for yourself. But I, and as I said, when you see this kind of debt load, 
when you see this 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 two hundred and twenty five trillion dollar equity bubble that has been inflated, does anybody think it's not going to burst? So if you don't think it's going to burst and you think things are going to go on fine, then stay in the digital currencies, you know, that, that they just keep making up. Look look what happened last week here in the States. Macy's. This is a good example. You know, the, the, the middle class to the middle class joint where you buy not so great clothes anymore. But anyway, Macy's. When I was a kid, by the way, there were two Macy's. There was one one down in Harold Square and another one up in Yonkers, Harold Square in New York City. And now, of course, they, they bought out everybody. And they become this big giant. When you become that big and you owe all that money and you have very thin profit margins, when things get a little shaky, so too does your business. This stock is down about 38% year-to-date. They just came out with a report a couple of days ago and about a 5.2 decline in sales. You look at Walmart. Sales is down. That biggest stock sell-off they had in 15 years a couple of months ago, a month ago. It's telling you what's going on in the marketplace. When you have the strong middle and the lower end, both showing great weaknesses of two of the greatest, biggest companies, it shows you what it looks like. So when things do fall apart, and I believe they will, because these schemes undreamed of that they keep making up, again, negative interest rates, too big to fail, zero interest rate policy, quantitative easing. These things never existed before. Oh, by the way, you have people complaining, you know, the failures of capitalism. This is not capitalism. Again, another Italian called it fascism, the merger of state and corporate powers. That's what Mussolini called it. So when you have too big to fails, those are four words that kill capitalism, plus all this other banking interference. So why wouldn't I want to own gold? Because then you look at the geopolitics and you go back in history. I was talking before about World War II. You name me the country where you couldn't buy your way out of freedom if you had some gold. And so it's more than just buying your way out of freedom. It's staying free is the way I see it. So gold prices may go down. But to me, I think I believe they're near the bottom. And the upside potential is well over 2,000 to me. You know, it, it never reached where it should have the last time. And, you know, very interesting, by the way. Go back to 2011. And when gold prices hit their peak, I think it was, what, about, uh, uh, was it about 19, uh, 1,927, uh, I think, something like that. Um, right at that time when it happened, MF Global collapsed. It was a huge commodities trading firm run by... Another member of the Goldman Sachs gang, John the Slime Corzine. And it's interesting that that collapse was when gold peaked. Because a lot of faith was lost then in the commodity markets. And I was one of the guys that got shafted in it. Because I had um, a number of contracts that I, was, that I was holding. And I was ready to cash them in. <laughs> In November of that year, of, of, of November, the company went bust on October 31st. Happy Halloween. 
Gerald, one of the things you were just talking about before was the idea that people think for themselves. And I do think that in many respects, sometimes we need a little help with that. And that's why I think the Trends Journal is so great because you are offering an alternative opinion, um, more informed opinion in many (laughs) respects. And I was wondering if you can tell people a little bit about the Trends Journal and, of course, Occupy Peace because it it does uh, give people the power to think for themselves. Yes, the Trends Journal is a quarterly. The new one will be out just just today. And uh, we also do a Trends Monthly and a Trends This Week. Plus, we have each weekday night Trends in the News broadcasts, you know, to give you history before it happens, analyzing the news and showing the implications. And, of course, we have conferences as well. We have another one coming up in Naples, Florida. I mentioned we just had one here in Colonial Kingston in September. And Occupy Peace, and this Trends Journal also talks about the, the, the rally we just had on September 20th. We had Ralph Nader here, Cindy Sheehan, Dr. Robert Thurman, Gary Null. Uh, it was a real first-class operation uh, that, that, we, that we put on. And this is like no other peace movement that anyone's ever seen in the sense that this isn't about, you know, marching, oming, and praying for peace. This is about an action plan for peace. It's about honoring the Founding Fathers. And the Founding Fathers, beginning with George Washington, a real warrior, a guy that fought in the war, led the, led the troops, not these little boys that play basketball, shoot pool, drive pickup trucks, and love to play golf. This is a real man who led the charge, a real commander-in-chief, His farewell address, no foreign entanglements. Jefferson, Madison, Adams, Franklin, every one of them, no foreign entanglements. And the world was a war back then. You know, Napoleon, what, how many people did he lose? 400,000 marching to Moscow? No foreign entanglements. So that's what Occupy Peace is. Close all the military bases overseas, bring home the troops, secure the homeland, and, and this is the big end, or one of them, force Congress to vote to go to war, as they're supposed to do in the, in the Constitution. I, I mentioned to you the quote from little boy Bush, George Bush, taking us to war against Iraq. And here's his quote. His quote is, we both knew, talking to his father, that this was a decision that only the president could make. Congress has not voted to go to war since World War II. Only the Emperor-in-Chief has been deciding it. So one of the other elements of Occupy Peace is to force Congress to vote whether or not to go to war. And the final element is to have on each state ballot a referendum where we the people will tell Congress how to vote because we're the ones that pay for the war with our money and our lives. The Senator's sons never go. You won't see uh, Obama's kids going. Clinton's kids, the Bush boys didn't go, the father did. It was World War II. Again, different. Congress voted for that. So that's that's what Occupy Peace is, and and that it's not a it's not a slogan that with peace comes prosperity. It's a fact. The more money you spend on production, education, development, research. 
It's exactly what Eisenhower, the five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces in World War II, and two-term president, warned in his farewell address that the military-industrial complex was taking over the nation, robbing us of the genius of the scientists, sweat of the laborers, and future of the children. Here we are. So that's what Occupy Peace is, to turn it around, bring prosperity back to the land of opportunity, and to promote peace worldwide. That's amazing. Gerald, I want to, on behalf of everyone here at uh, The Real Money Show, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today. And, of course, we look forward to speaking with you real soon. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, and thanks for all you're doing. And we got to thank Gerald Salente once again. And uh, the number is one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Get your free gold.ca. Check that out as well. What you'll get there is you'll receive a one gram gold maple leaf coin for every 5,000 U.S. invested in an RSP account with Guildhall as well. You're looking at a natural fancy colored diamonds. A diamond purchased by you for $25,000 or more. You'll get a pair of diamond studs to go along with courtesy of Guildhall. We'll get into diamonds here after we take a short break. This is a real money show on talk. Radio, AM 640. Back with more of The Real Money Show, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Got to uh, thank Gerald Salente once again for uh, for the interview, the last couple of segments. He's got lots to say. It's hard, it's hard not to listen to him, right? He's a gentleman among gentlemen. He certainly says how he feels and doesn't hold back. You were right about that in the earlier segment, John, in saying that, and uh, certainly gave us some, well, what I think is incredible insight into mm-hmm. trends developing now. Jeremy asked some very poignant questions, and I think uh, him and Jeremy have actually spoken a number of times, and we do speak with Gerald on quite a regular basis, and I think you're getting some inkling as to what the world is going to be doing in the next short while, and certainly as it relates to gold and precious metals in general, I think people are very pleased with what they're hearing. So we'll go from there, and certainly there's lots to talk about, but I think ultimately that uh, this bodes well for the near future and what he was talking about certainly lends itself to what we're going to be talking about right now, which is colored diamonds. Yep. And again, we're very happy to do it and pleased. This week was an important week in colored diamonds and uh, we're excited because the news is unbelievable. If you have a computer screen in front of you or if you have an iPad and you're not driving, you have time to look. Please look up the two important auctions that we're going to be talking about this week, and I'm going to bring to you an article that was uh, given to me by Nicole Snitman, the Queen of Colored Diamonds from Guildhall, mm-hmm. and this is an article by Avi uh, Krawitz uh, at uh, Rappaport entitled Beautiful Diamonds That Sell in Any Market, and I want to read a little snippet here. The hype... Sotheby's and Christie's auctions in Geneva this week created a buzz in the diamond trade that is otherwise starved for excitement. Now, keep in mind, as I'm reading you some of this article, it also pertains to the white diamond or the largest segment of the diamond market, which, as we have said time and time again, is not great. So we don't want people to think that this pertains necessarily just to colored diamonds, but these two auctions are very important. The article further says, Sotheby's on Wednesday sold a cushion-shaped 12.03 carat fancy vivid blue internally flawless diamond for $48.5 million or $4 million per carat, setting a new record for any diamond or jewel sold at auction according to the auction house. The day prior to that, Christie's sold a cushion cut, 16.08 carat fancy vivid pink. This was a VVS2 clarity diamond, and they sold it for $28.5 million or $1.8 million per carat. 
which that auction house said was a world record for a fancy vivid pink diamond sold at auction. Now, both stones were bought by a Hong Kong billionaire named Joseph Lau, who named them after his seven-year-old daughter, Josephine. Now, the prices are quite remarkable in and of themselves because considering the general state of the white diamond market, according to David Bennett, chairman of Sotheby's International Jewelry Division, stones such as the now named the Blue Moon of Josephine are so exceptional that they're likely to perform well in any market. He said, uh, which was in an email to Rappaport uh, News prior to the sale. Now, what he's doing there, and I'll end quotes, is giving us insight into what's happening in the color diamond market, John. You're seeing a market that all around us is in flux, a world market that the economy, where the economy is uncertain. As Gerald talked about in his interview, there's uncertainty everywhere and how this world could be touting that we're going to get better is, uh, it's, it's just unimaginable. I don't know how they can continue to do it other than to say that there's a lot of sheep out there and the wolf continue to pull the wool over their eyes. So there is a very, very important lesson to be learned here. And that is that colored diamonds for those of you who own them. And for those of you who are thinking of buying one, they typically do well in all environments. So when things are rocking and the economy is going really good, you may find you get more mainstream interest in investing in these uh, types of assets. And when the economy is not going well, you're still going to make world records. This is world records made what is arguably on the backside of a terrible world economy, and you're not seeing these records made at the peak of an environment, which also tells us that people are using these assets as alternative avenues for generating a return and protection of their wealth, something that Guildhall has touted for years and years and years. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhalldiamonds.com. Reminder as well that uh, for now, if you, if you take advantage of, you get a pair of diamond studs for every $25,000 spent on colored diamonds with Guildhall. Jeremy. Yeah, Darren, you nailed it. It's uh, Colored diamonds are an alternative hard asset class, a great way to store money. And of course, these diamonds are so rare, they are always moving up in value because there is always a market for rarity. And we see that time and time again in the colored diamond market. Um, I've spoken a few weeks ago just talking to a client who who bought a, an intense for $19,000, taxes in, uh, not two years ago. Today, that diamond wouldn't sell for anything less than $24,000 pre-tax. So that just shows you that a diamond can can do very, very well. And, and what's really nice about colored diamonds is the more you invest, the more rarity you're purchasing. And the more rare the diamond, the higher the return. So that's something that you don't see in other types of investments like stocks where it doesn't matter whether you put 10000 or 100000 or 500000 in. If the stock goes up 10%, that's what you're making. So colored diamonds are great that way in terms of, of buying rarity. We've got uh, some great diamonds in right now. And um, actually, before we talk about that, we just completed a, a, a ring that I want to quickly discuss. So a a customer came in, they wanted to uh, get an engagement ring and uh, they they had their budget, they knew what type of diamond they wanted and and they went with a a one carat fancy. Great price. And we started to look at the designs and we have a a, a, a designer that makes just remarkable work. And um, they didn't know quite what they wanted. So we sent them out to go look at the high-end jewelry stores and get a feel for the style of, of ring that they wanted to create. 
Well, when, when everything was said and done, they were able to get a one carat, fancy yellow, internally flawless. It, it had a double halo uh, ring, and it was all done for less than $20,000. Wow. Now, when we compared that custom ring, okay, um, perfect diamond, compared it to the big name brand stores and what you what you had to pay for when you're paying retail prices for comparable yeah first of all the the those high-end dealers high-end retail stores don't have comparable diamonds they're not going to sell internally flawless diamonds they might sell vs1 but we don't sell vs quality when we're selling fancy yellows Mm -hmm. we might come down from a internally flawless on a vivid yellow which is the most saturated color we might come down a little bit in clarity down to a vvs maybe vs if the quality is impeccable but you will never see an intense yellow at this time for less than internally flawless and same thing with a fancy which is the lowest level that we would go to and so they might sell a comparable vs quality fancy yellow which is two levels down um, and it would be significantly more expensive, at least 30% higher for something less. So what a great time to to look at a piece of jewelry like that where you can buy a fancy yellow or an intense yellow ring, and then if you're spending over 25000 also get the, the diamond studs to go along with it. So you could get an investment diamond and a gift for Christmas all at the same time. We thought, what great timing to offer that. And so we have some diamonds coming up to the coming up on the site within the next couple of weeks. Um, I've been a little uh, lazy, admittedly, to take the, the, the photos of the diamonds to get them up. But we do have some, some diamonds coming. We have a great pink that if you're interested in the pink diamond market, especially Argyle pinks, we have a stunning pink that's going to be coming up to the site. Darren, I know it was a 0.41, right? Intense. And it's going to be, uh, we, we got a, a nice price on that. So that's something to definitely call us about if you're interested in pink diamonds. Darren, doesn't it also speak to, I mean, look at a guy like you mentioned at the uh, the top, this Joseph Lau guy, billionaire, uh, property developer in uh, in Hong Kong. Guy's worth about $10 billion. If he's going after these assets, this guy knows how to make money. And by the way, these aren't the first two diamonds this guy has purchased, right? He's got about four or five in his collection, all for his kids. All for his kids. And he's done this uh, for some time now. And... Quite frankly, money makes money, John. Right. That's that's the way it's 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 viewed. So whether you're starting at twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, or sixty thousand, whether you're starting at twenty eight or thirty million, money makes money, and that's the way people work in this world. And ultimately, yes, I think most people would like to be very quiet and private about types of investments like that. But this made a big splash, and this just goes to show you that uh, there are people out there who know how to get return on their invested dollars, and colored diamonds, bar none, is one of the best ways to do that in the world that I could think of. That'll do it for another week, guys. The number to start investing is one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Reminder, get your free gold.ca. Receive a one gram gold maple leaf coin for every $5,000 U.S. invested in an RSP account. And if you're buying a diamond worth $25,000 or more with Guildhall Diamonds, you will get a pair of gold uh, earrings as well to go along with that. It's very nice. So take advantage of that as soon as you can. Again, the website is guildhallwealth.com. For more details, this has been, once again, The Real Money Show on Talk Radio, AM 640.